0: Welcome to Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Welcome back, everyone. There's been some break, and today I'm really excited to announce that we are doing a reintroduction of Hearts and Other Sex Parts with our new co-host, Stella Harris. So excited. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Stella. So today we're going to spend some time talking, both of us, kind of interviewing each other so that you as our audience members get to know more about us as individuals and the work we're doing and some of the things we're looking forward to to be doing with the podcast.
1: Absolutely.
0: I'm excited about this project. Yay! Thank you so much, Stella. <laughs> I'm so excited. So Stella Harris is a certified intimacy educator and sex coach, and Stella Why don't you talk a little bit about why this is your specialty and what brought you here?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think like a lot of callings, it can happen a little bit by accident. Um, It's something that I've been drawn to my whole life. And it wasn't until the last six, seven, eight years or so that it occurred to me that this was a job that one could do. Um, So it had been more of a hobby from my earliest days. And then I just started following both my passion and sort of the serendipity that happens when you're on the right path, going to conferences, going to trainings, um, going and getting some official certifications. And yeah, the rest is history. I've been very lucky to, to make a career of this work that I love.
0: It's so, I love hearing that when I talk, talking to people who are really passionate about what they're doing. It's so great that you got to turn something that you realized you're really good at and just came naturally and turn that into your career. It's, it's amazing. It's-
1: I mean, it was absolutely a leap of faith. I, I quit my last day job uh, before I had any solid plan. It was like, I'm going to try to do this thing. And I quit, uh, which was a good way so to, a leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> to make me actually do it. Uh-huh. And at, at the time I was more focused on the writing piece. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you do writing. I do writing as well, yeah. And you had that book, that book that
0: came out, your first book, Tongue Tied, Untangling Communication and Sex, Kink and Relationships.
1: Yes, that was published by Cleus last September. So that has been amazing. I'm really enjoying the response that that's getting, Um, teaching classes based on the book. That's been marvelous.
0: Yeah, so not only, so you teach classes, you wrote a book, uh, you write a column in Willamette Week. I sure do. Yeah.
1: And you also are a sex coach. <laughs> and I'm a sex coach. Yeah. yeah. I have a little office. I have a private practice uh, and I meet with individuals and couples and we talk about everything from sort of the mechanics of of sex and sexual technique to uh, communication. That's sort of my my main jam, helping people communicate either with their steady partner or with new people that they're meeting. Um, There's a lot of helping couples get through um, mismatched desire, um, different understandings of sex and sexuality. There's a lot of unpacking shame around sex and bodies. Um, There's a lot of helping people explore their gender, their sexuality, um, helping people figure out open relationships, kink, navigating the Portland scene when it's local, when I'm seeing people in my office, And then I also do coaching by phone or Skype for folks who want to work with me who are elsewhere.
0: Oh, so great. You know, it feels like a good opportunity to maybe you and I both talk a little bit about the difference between what I do as a therapist and you as a sex coach. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think about, because we also work together, (laughs) like we can have, there's a mutuality and we have differences and can serve Whereas, so with, as a therapist, I also work with Mm -hmm. folks around gender and sexuality with their relationships, BDSM and kink, um, open, non-monogamy, and... I, some of the differences, I mean, the very obvious is for me as a therapist that I am a licensed professional counselor. So Mm -hmm. I, some of the folks that I see, not all of them, but some of them do have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them have like generalized anxiety or depression or some trauma. Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: trauma is probably the big one. The different, like that also is directly or they don't realize till later indirectly affecting
1: sex and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't address any mental health issues Yes. Um, if somebody comes to me and, you know, it's not uncommon for something like depression or anxiety to be a feature of what's interacting with your sex life um, or for people who have had trauma. And so my first questions are like, have you already addressed this with a therapist? Are you currently in therapy? And so that's a requirement in some instances if people are, are handling those issues I cannot be the the first line of attack on any of those. So I make sure that folks already have a good therapist around that. And a big part of what I end up doing is helping people find sex positive therapists because people come to me with horror stories of what they've been told. So it's really fabulous for me to have such a great network of, of therapists that I know in town that I can send folks to. And I've been really lucky that therapists in town will send clients to me when the questions that are coming up start being sort of out of their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so at its best it's a it's a really lovely sort of supportive two-way relationship between what I do and therapists in town.
0: Yeah, I I see it the same way because when I I definitely work with folks who come specifically for some mental health issues going on or very specific relationship. And then at some point during our interactions during our therapy, I'll be like, you know, th- we review what's happened, and it's like, what well, you know, it would be a really great time to transition to a sex coach because the things that we've you know gone through and and dealt with have had some I don't want to say resolution, but come to the place where like they're 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 in a good place and they want to do more more work that's specific to sex coaching.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And so I love to be able to do that and have access to all these sex coaches and to be able to just like, Hey, here's Stella's number. Here's her book. You can read it and then go see her. You're so great to me.
1: Well, that's enough about me. Uh, Since we are sort of launching into this together and getting to know each other better. I would also like to talk a lot more about some of the work that you do. I know you've got some new projects coming up that I have been very excited to learn about and to be able to send my clients to. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on right now?
0: Yeah. So, you know, a couple months ago in January, I was so fortunate to be involved in a forum in Salem, Oregon, raising awareness around the importance of LGBTQ inclusion in mental health and addiction services. And so it's a very, very underserved population where there's just not access. And so many things have been arising, just it's been around, but recognizing the gaps between, you know, Services for folks who are specifically LGBTQ, finding housing for folks who are trans, um, finding access to any kind of specific treatment. Because if you are trans and uh, possibly starting hormones, but maybe haven't had surgery, maybe don't want surgery, there are certain treatment facilities that are specific. Some aren't, but some of them are. And we're finding that. Folks that I work with and other counselors work with are having a hard time finding access to these, like, should be very basic services. Mm -hmm. And so being involved in the forum and building that awareness, I've started also with my uh, partner Paige. We are doing groups around um, sex and drug linked behavior Mm -hmm. and starting to really bring this topic to the forefront, which is not it's for all folks but for the people that we work specifically we do LGBTQ specific drug sex linked behavior groups and individual counseling and helping people to who have for what it for multiple reasons link that and help them to find their sexuality and pleasure and overall well being in a way that they don't feel like they have to use drugs to do that
1: Yeah, so for people who aren't familiar with that term, can you just say a little bit about what a drug and sex linked behavior would be?
0: Yeah, so you know, one of the big person, you know, there's a Doug Harvey down in San Diego is one of the big proponents of this, and he he actually writes a book about it. And the the idea is recognizing that folks with addiction, substance use addiction Oftentimes, sex and drug use and alcohol use is very linked. And then we can step back and think about basics of like how many people go to a bar and they're drinking and they meet someone and they have already had some cocktails before mm-hmm. they then have sex with someone. Mm-hmm. And this is not saying that you shouldn't ever drink and have sex. We're talking more about folks who then it becomes, if you hear someone saying like, oh, I can't imagine going on a date or I can't imagine having sex with someone without a substance in my body.
1: And I get that a lot in my work when people are talking about sort of their first threesome or the first time two couples are going to play together. It's just about assumed that there will be some social lubrication there.
0: Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. then take it a step farther for folks who, um, so for a person who's trans or non-binary or a person who's queer and Throughout our society, there's a lot of shame around sex in general, and then as a person who is queer or trans or non-binary, to then find that they look back and the only time they even feel like they're able to have sex, to really truly express themselves, is to be loaded.
1: Yeah. I've heard from clients as well, like they realize they've never had Sober sex, yeah, and that's even from people who don't identify as having an addiction. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then
0: once, and then people that do go through the process of, you know, if the substance use has become a problem in their life, and they then become sober, they're like, uh, I don't know how to have sex. They're mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to be in my body. It, my body's uncomfortable. I don't feel, you know, for some folks, it, it's intertwined with gender dysphoria. Um, with body dysphoria, there's all of these things intertwined. And so the work is, so there's like multiple layers to the work of yeah. like helping someone to move past the shame of who they are, to, to embody who they are within a culture that does not accept them. They find that for themselves and, and find that empowerment through working in groups and working in individual counseling. And then through working through that shame and, and the empowerment within themselves and, and being more embodied than being able to have sex and explore mm-hmm. with partners. You know,
1: they're, they're this other part
0: of human connection.
1: That's such vital work. I'm so glad you're making that resource available. I might've jumped up and down when I saw (laughs) your flyers because there was people I wanted to send to the program. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, So, you know, it sounds like we have a lot of the same passions and there's definitely a big overlap in our, our Venn diagrams. What are sort of some of the biggest sex myths out there or sexuality myths, gender myths that... You know, if you could just stamp one of them out forever and never have to address it again. Oh, so many. You know, the one
0: that came to mind that may seem very basic is this idea that lube is only used if needed. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes, needed. Uh, I was just going through that (laughs) with somebody yesterday. Yep. That's huge. So like normalizing the use of lube and not shaming it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I like being put in these categories of like, oh, well, I, I don't need lube. Why would I? I I don't need that. Like there's something wrong with it?
1: Mm-hmm. So, we do that with sex toys too, as though any yeah. tool that we use for sex is shameful. You don't have people getting shamed for using screwdrivers or hammers, but somehow in the bedroom we need, need to be completely tool-free. Yeah. So I think that okay, I'm going to add another one. say just one.
0: <laughs> and then we'll get your take.
1: <laughs> we the, make the rules here.
0: <laughs> uh, that sex is not just penis vaginate penetration. Yeah. Please can we take that out of the picture and let the full spectrum of sex be part of every person's vocabulary. Yeah especially like just taking down that cis-heteronormative view of like when someone says sex, it only means penis-vagina penetration. Yeah,
1: absolutely. A broader definition of sex can help everyone because even for the cis-hetero folks, if they think penis and vagina sex is the only way to do it, well then what happens if someone's penis isn't doing all the exact same things it used to do? They really think sex can't happen anymore. I've worked with a lot of couples with that. And when I suggest that other things can be sex um, it really kind of blows their minds yeah Um, I recently wrote a whole article actually saying that that I don't believe in the notion of foreplay because that's a way of um, dismissing all the other yummy things that we do like why (laughs) doesn't making out and feeling somebody up and hand sex and like why wouldn't that count in, in the same exact way
0: yeah, totally. We're on the same page. So let's bust those. <laughs> <laughs> so right now we already did it. Great. We're on it. Everyone got that. We, we don't want to, it, to cover noticed. this
1: one again. We do not want to,
0: to talk about this again.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> do you have another myth that you'd want to bust? Um, well, sort of in the same vein, the idea of sexual functioning, um, the way that bodies work, the way that sexual functioning works, assuming that there is sort of one way. Um, even a lot of the the words that we use about it, you know, when people talk about premature ejaculation, well, that is assuming there's a set amount of time that it's supposed to take. Or some yeah. people come and say, well, it takes me too long to orgasm. Yeah. Um, and so from both sides, I feel like I have people of all genders and genitals either worrying that they're coming too quickly, that they're taking too long, and that's assuming that we have decided like the fixed amount of time that is perfect. And I don't think that amount of time could possibly exist because we're all different and all of our bodies work differently, but it's set up so that everybody thinks that they're doing it wrong. There's, there's sort of no way to be right at this. Yay. So people just appreciating variation, that their bodies look different, that they work different, that sex looks different, and that's fine.
0: Yes, that, it, that, that sex is such... A personal thing, and there's so many ways, so many ways to explore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, switching to a little more like <laughs> breezy topic, you know, are there any little uh, hobbies outside of sex education that you want to share with the audience?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm one of those lucky people who who does what I love for a living, and that that put a real dent in my hobbies. Um, but I do like hanging out with my dog and I like (laughs) gardening. Um, I like traveling when I, when I can get away with it. I recently took a trip to Paris. I hadn't traveled for fun for probably about five years. And so I just took a little vacation and that was incredible. So I'm trying to remind myself to, to have hobbies and to take better care of myself because you can't work 24 7 it turns out <laughs> <laughs> wait what you have to rest at some point <laughs> yes i i've am running into some of those those little burnout pieces so I'm, I'm trying to have that work-life balance thing people talk about oh yeah that whole thing yeah <laughs> what about you
0: well, I just picked up playing guitar like about a year ago. So, one of those like actual, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to try this this year. And, you know, New Year's resolutions, by the way, I love New Year's resolutions. I, my favorite holiday is New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Just a little tidbit. Oh, tip oh bit. interesting. You know, being a Virgo, I like it. <laughs> so, but I've actually kept to it. I've been mm-hmm. doing it for a little over a year. And I also, I love cycling. I love cycling outdoors. I love going to spin class. I really enjoy photography. I enjoy taking pictures of mainly people. Surprise, surprise! Um, and just getting to explore the outdoors. I know it sounds so cliche. I'm such an Oregonian, but go out and like explore the outdoors <laughs> and like go in the water and go in nature and all these like amazing great things that we have in. Portland, Oregon, and all throughout Mm -hmm. Oregon.
1: Well, you've got me beat. I'm going to have to come up with a few more hobbies. I'm (laughs) going to have to try something new. I'm I'm clearly not doing enough stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So you
0: mentioned this, you know, the whole like work life balance. I mean, really, like, how do you take care of yourself after you're helping others all day?
1: I mean, the absolute truth is that I do a bad job of it. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm working on. And it's one of the things, you know, one of the things that I I believe in is sort of the the Brene Brown approach of using vulnerability to combat shame. And so I do try to be transparent about things that I'm bad at. And even though I spend all day telling people to take better care of themselves, um, I then don't always do an amazing job at that. Um, I had a particularly rough day at the office the other day and i did sort of see that that my skills were lacking um you know speaking of using alcohol for things i did i came home i made myself an old fashioned and i snuggled my dog and i'm just like welp this is <laughs> this is what i've got for this evening it's going to be whiskey and dog and that's just kind of what I need to decompress right now. I don't have very many of those evenings and it's not what I would recommend as your self-care routine. <laughs> um, but sometimes that's what it comes to. So I should be bringing my guitar over. It sounds like a country song. Absolutely Whiskey and dog after work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, all I'm missing is the personal soundtrack <laughs> to make it real pathetic. Um, I, I am trying to start taking one day off a week um, I, I hear tell of these things called weekends, but I usually am um, seeing clients and teaching classes on weekends. So well, yeah, that's
0: when people are available. Yeah. If they're working the more average nine to five, yeah, Monday through Friday.
1: So I need to be available for the other nine to fivers, and so I'm tentatively sort of kind of sometimes taking Mondays off. It's a work in progress, but <laughs> this last week I I just was itching to just sit at my laptop and work, and so I actually went to the garden store and bought a bunch of plants and started digging holes, playing in the dirt, putting in flowers and herbs and and playing in my garden to actually give myself a thing to do and and stay, stay off my computer. Off the computer. Yeah. One, one week down. So we'll see how I do. Ask me in a few months. (laughs) Well, that's what I do. That's one of the things, first
0: things that I do is when I'm trying to take care of myself after helping others is I, I set boundaries around my Screen and I close the computer for a little bit. I close, I turn off my phone. I set timers around my phone.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: And I'm actually more of, you know, we always think about bubble baths and like this kind of like floaty self carry type thing. And don't get me wrong, I love a, you know, I love a bath, but I tend to do more active things. I mm-hmm. went, when I have the chance, activism is actually really self-care for me being able to be with community and taking action towards a cause that I really believe in. Yeah. I also really, I'm very fortunate to have a really amazing partner Paige, who I can just go over to her house and, hang out and decompress and she's a therapist as well so we have like a scale and we can be like okay are you zero to five mm-hmm. and if I say I'm at a zero she's gonna like hug me
1: and chill with me and know that like I can't hear about any therapy stuff yeah <laughs> and that's probably I, another one of my self-care tools is how many of my friends in my personal life are therapists <laughs> so we <laughs> <laughs> That works out really well for me. That's why you wanted to work with me. (laughs) It's all a ruse. You're on to me now.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, Stella, this has been really great to be able to talk to you. And I hope that like our audience members really get to know us a little better, not just from today, but, you know, throughout, um, these podcasts. Yeah.
1: Do you want to, before we wrap up, do you want to talk about the current projects you have going? Sure, I've got a few things going on. Um, I'm still sort of in my uh, slowest book tour ever, where I'm hitting a few regions at a time. And I am working on uh, more writing projects. I'm working on some online classes. Um, Hopefully those will be up really soon. Um, I would like to say, too, since we're working on our social media presence, if there are things that y'all want to know about us or things that you'd like us to address... Tell us, reach out and let us know your questions.
0: Yes, please do. Well, thanks so much, Saul. I'm so glad that we're getting this started. We're doing the reboot of Hearts and Other Sex Parts. And for more information, or if you want to email us at heartsandothersexparts at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. So today we're welcoming Jaden Love to our show. As a healer, Jaden is passionate about others doing their own inner work to be able to live their truth and happiest life. As an educator, Jaden strives to give people the tools to treat others with more compassion and respect. The combination of the two allows him to create and hold a safe space for people to reach the ultimate goal of greater connectedness and love in this world. In 2017, Jaden published his first book. It's an intimate account of his first year transitioning from female to male. And as he says, he had every intention of living a stealth life as male until he was shown otherwise. Although he only proclaims to be the expert of his own body and experience, Jaden has now opened himself and his life up to educate others. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. So
2: excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the book you wrote, Saving My Life, is your journal in print. It's Indeed. a journal. Yeah. When you're reading, it, it's a journal. <laughs> it's, it's actually a journal. It's, it's pretty <laughs> rad. Exploring your journey with gender and sexuality. For the audience who have not read it, uh, will you give a brief synopsis?
2: Sure. And you know, you kind of spoke to it actually in my introduction. Um, so my first year of transitioning, um, I decided to start journaling because this is a big deal. Right. And I was like, Oh, this is important. I should probably journal. And shortly into that time, I started hearing um, from higher powers, higher beings, higher self, whatever you guys identify with, um, that I was to publish this book and to publish my journal. And I was like, "Um, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is too personal, too private. And so I ignored it. And I, started hearing it though in different ways so then different people would start asking me about writing a book and how anyway it just kept coming up no 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 every time and then finally I had you know I currently live in Portland Oregon and I had moved back to Madison Wisconsin for a brief period of time and I was at a friend's birthday party and a woman was there who I had met in 2004 hadn't seen her or talked to her in all of these years Um, And all of a sudden we're sitting around and all of a sudden in the evening, she says from across the room, Jaden, I'm like, what's up? And she's like, you're writing a book, right? I was like, you have got to be kidding me. She's really intuitive. And she just winked and smiled at me. And I was like, I guess so. (laughs)
0: so you were literally told you're like this is what you're doing (laughs)
2: yes I was literally told so I don't know how many of your listeners know what stealth means but it means that as soon as we as trans folks can pass um, as whatever gender we are um, then that's just the gender we are Um, you know I'm no longer a trans guy I'm just a guy Um, and it has nothing to do with you know we're not ashamed to be trans or anything like that it's just that we've been waiting so long you know, to be able to live our life in the, as the gender that we are. Um, so we want to be able to just do that. So I had every intention of being stealth as soon as I could pass. And if you're going to publish a book, if you're going to be doing other things that I'm doing in my work, you're no longer going to be able to be stealth in your life for the most part.
1: So I'm curious about that, because now there's a lot of very personal, very vulnerable information about you in the world, and Indeed. <laughs> I've scratched the surface of that with some of my work and my writing and my storytelling. Complete strangers can walk up to me and know some very intimate details about my life, and that, that can be a thing that takes some handling. Right. Uh, I'm curious to hear how that has been for you, how that feels for you, how you manage it.
2: Quite honestly, a lot of times I kind of block that out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just forget that they have read this book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, I mean, that is obviously, there's definitely a part of me that, you know, blocks some of that out sometimes because it's not the most important stuff. I, okay, let me back up a second. When I heard that I needed to write this book, and then when I heard that I needed to start doing public speaking, which again, I'm one of those people, one of my biggest fears. I never wanted to do that. Never thought I'd be doing that. Um, But I listen. I listen to the best of my ability in each moment. And when all of that came about, I then had to go through a whole nother process of becoming okay with, it's going to be really rare that I'm going to be able to be stealth in my life. With that being said, a little side note, when I am just in my daily life, I don't, you know, introduce myself as, "Hi, I'm Jaden, the a trans guy." Right? Yeah.
1: I yeah. am. I am stealth, and
2: as I'm just walking through life, right? Yeah. Um, and when I'm working, um, it's a complete 180 degree turn. I am opening up my life to any questions you have, except one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. <clears throat> Well, thank you for that, because that modeling and visibility is so important to other people.
2: If I may just speak to briefly, it's part of my, it goes along with part of my spiritual beliefs in that we all have our gifts. We all have something to offer this world. And there's two things, just like Keeley introduced me as, you know, I'm a healer and an educator. I'm a healer and a teacher. Um, that's why I believe I am here, what I'm here to do this lifetime. And... Um, It feels like in this moment that that is part of what I'm here to do is to educate about and help the trans community.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So you you brought up I was actually curious to hear if you would speak a little bit more, you know, in your on your website. You know, you have your background in Reiki as well as some shaman training and in the book you were very open talking about your spirituality and and you just have been talking about it as well and how it informs um choices and even i don't even know if you even say the word choices more like the direction like of of mm. what you're here to do the work you're here to do right will you talk a little bit more about how spirituality informs your journey and and this work that you're doing now
2: well just like i said um I very much listen with an, with a capital L to the best of my ability, right? Um, <clears throat> what I mean by that is, again, it's however you identify um, um, with your spirituality or your religious beliefs, if you will, um, as far as, you know, is it God that you're hearing from the angels, spirit guides, you know, so on and so forth. Um, all of it is real, you know, and, and um, to me anyway. <laughs> um, and so it means that I as many people do channel and I hear things and no, I'm not, I don't have a diagnosis. Um, (laughs) It's all right. I'm not
0: diagnosing you. Don't
2: worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that kind of voices. Yeah. Um, And so, yes, I am guided. Um, If, and even if like, I am not sure, like there's certain parts of my business right now that are kind of um, in flux or not fully, developed if you will right you know yet um and I'm like oh this is something I'm supposed to be doing right and I can ask and get an answer and again maybe that's my higher self maybe it's God maybe it's my spirit guides I don't know all I know is that when I follow what I'm hearing um it leads me closer and closer to my true self and to my yeah it gets me more and more in alignment to my heart and soul Mm -hmm.
1: for somebody who's not familiar with that idea like is there sort of the elevator pitch version of how you would tell somebody to learn to start listening because I think we often really go through the motions without ever checking in with ourselves with anything outside of ourselves what would starting to pay attention to that look like for someone
2: quite honestly the first thing see like just now I just heard excuse me the first thing I hear is you got to meditate you've got to get quiet yeah Um, and the first thing that happens, (laughs) a lot of people will say when they first start to meditate, all they hear is all the voices and all the things that are going on. We have monkey brains, right? That are just Mm -hmm. nonstop. And then that's all they're present to all of a sudden when they start to meditate. It's because you're just starting to get quiet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so then, yeah, you'll start to discern. You're going to hear all of that noise and then you start to discern the higher power speaking versus your ego, noise, brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it takes, oh, I've been meditating since 1999. Um, it takes a long time. It's not, well, I shouldn't say that. Everybody's different, but, you know, maybe you could do it in five times of meditating. I don't know, but but um, yeah, I just say that because I don't want people to feel frustrated you know, like Jaden said, I should just meditate and I'm not hearing anything. You know? yeah. No, it takes, yeah, it takes time and a lot of practice.
1: Well, I mean, it's just like Keely talk about around sex. You know, there's no right or wrong amount of time for something to take. It right? takes as long as it takes. So Keep practicing. <laughs> Keep At least the practice. practice is also fun and good for you. So. Keely, how
2: many times should I practice sex?
0: <laughs> as many as you
1: would like. To the best of your ability.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I it's when you're talking about the meditation, and because in my practice I'm talking about that as well in therapy so often, and I think about just how our world is set up. At least I'll speak to the United States and to Oregon because mm. that we are set up in this way that people are actually scared. I mean, I hear it, like literally people are scared to to have quiet and to Mm -hmm. sit with themselves and they will distract i mean i just had a client in you know saying well i just stay busy 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 because i i don't want to know what's going to come up when i sit with myself
2: yep i'm with you on that so many people are yeah distracting themselves Mm -hmm. and again this is just my own personal opinion that's the opposite of the direction we need to be going yeah Because well, we have to heal. Sorry to interrupt Oh, yeah, you. no, no, yeah. We, yeah. we have to heal, right? Like, And how can you heal if you're just busying yourself going from task to task or work thing to work thing, right? There's, we've got to get quiet, and we can only heal ourselves. We can only look inward and heal ourselves.
0: Yeah, and that first part, you know, when you're, when you're talking about healing, and I think about, you know, I work a lot with queer folks, non-binary, trans folks, who are in that very beginning stages of healing. Mm-hmm. And I think about, I really enjoy hearing you talk about spirituality because for many folks in the healing process, it can, it can be undoing shame from organized religion. Right. And so when you're talking about spirituality right now, the differentiation of that versus organized religion, that has oppressed and ashamed our community for centuries.
2: Right, right. It's so powerful. It, it really is. I love this, and I'm probably shouldn't have even bring, brought this up, but there's some quote that I love, and it has something to do with um, organized religion. You're being told what to believe, and spirituality is you realizing and figuring out what to believe, and so it's more of from within. And I, I just love that because, well, it just goes along, obviously, with what I believe and how I lead my life.
1: So. I just saw something recently, yeah, from a, a pagan friend on, on Instagram, and it said, if I wanted to be told what to do, I would have gone to church. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the social media-ified version, I think, of what, right? this beautiful sentiment you're trying to share, and I will tell you the meme about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. our life our our life is all memes
0: (laughs) well we're talking about like looking inside ourselves and and who we are and 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 then expressing who we are to other folks other people and I'm thinking you know kind of do you mind if I go back to your book no I really (laughs) like so in in part of the work that I do and then just you know being in the you know, us doing this podcast as well is examining when we're talking about gender and sexuality, examining these gender norms and examining what it means. You know, if we're ta- speaking binary, which I hate talking, I hate having to be in those terms. But you know, talking, you know, these gender norms, and you, you bring up these moments in your book and these stereotypes that you find yourself thinking about automatically, and then you in in, in and then in your journal you challenge these automatic thoughts that you have. Like your quote, I'm going to quote you. Go for it. There are many things I really like about myself. And, I, and guess what? I don't have to change those things just because my outward gender is changing. And I, I wonder if you could speak a little more to this process, this part that you went through. And, and maybe still, I don't know, maybe still going through of this, this recognizing like, oh, these are the stereotypes. And I'm thinking about them. I'm like, wait, I don't have to do that.
2: That's huge, actually. Excuse me. That's those are huge moments. Um, So again, I let me. I should preface this by saying this is all going through my own filter, right? My own experiences. Um, I can't speak for all trans people of the world. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Um, So for me, it really there was a point early on where I really it was like I was wiping the slate clean it was really interesting because I kept coming up with some of these things time after time. And so I was like, Oh my gosh. So I just, I was like, okay, I just need to wipe the slate clean. What is it? To, what do I really believe? <laughs> you know, because I was being challenged by this over and over again. Um, so this, I think that quote is from a part in the book where it's a very poignant uh, moment for me. Um, I was out for dinner with a friend of mine and, uh, She had ordered this nice little specialty shot and I don't of course remember what it was called or anything but it was a mixture of different liqueurs and herbs and spices whatever it was delicious and I ordered a lemon drop and after the waitstaff left the table I started chuckling and I'm like what kind of guy am I gonna be like someday I'm gonna be hanging out with with my guy friends and we're going to belly up to the bar and they're going to be ordering their stouts and whiskeys. And I'm going to be like, um, I'll have a lemon drop, please.
1: Lemon <laughs> oh. drops are delicious. Oh, though. and a side of filtered water,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> they are delicious. <laughs> and so we got a laugh out of it just like we are now, right? And And then my friend was just like, and I don't remember all of her words because I was very overwhelmed by her graciousness and love, but... She was like, you're going to be you like you're going to be this amazing, sensitive, sweet, kind, conscious being. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to just be me like I don't have to. Yeah, I I just realized in that moment I had been watching all sorts of different men. Right. And thinking, oh, I'm going to be like him or I'm going to have that quality and that quality. And it was like I was at the store (laughs) of man. (laughs) Huh. And I was going to take on all these different qualities, perfecting the perfect guy,
1: right? It's like Frankenstein gender. Right. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and I realized it was beautiful, quite honestly. No, wait, I get to just be me.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Um, and so what happens a lot of times is... A lot of us trans guys, I can't speak for trans women, I don't know, but a lot of us trans guys, we overcompensate in the beginning because we want to be seen as male, right, so badly. And so we're going to overcompensate our macho-ness or our manliness or, in quotes, or whatever it is, right? And then at some point in our transition, most of us, not all of us, (laughs) most of us find that place, and it becomes like for myself, I'm like, okay, so... People might see me as gay because I use my hands so much or because I fluctuate my voice like women do and whatever, right? <clears throat> they might see me as gay. They might see me as feminine. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But mm-hmm. I'm. it's because it's all about, again, like just getting in alignment and being okay with who you are.
1: That's fantastic. I, I think that must be so important, you know, for people who are learning to make any changes. But that idea of deciding what maleness would look like for you, especially when we're at this moment right now in our culture where there's this sort of crisis of masculinity and and what what would you want people to know who are trying to like move into that space that you know mainstream media is is not looking like making it look like a very attractive place to be and and media is starting to pay attention to some of the problems of toxic masculinity. So what does it look like to to be moving into that and taking some of that on or shedding the pieces that don't serve you. Um,
2: I, thank you for asking the question because for me, if I'm understanding the question the way you intend it. i maybe being um, too <laughs> gentle, but you asked me that,
1: you told me to ask the hard stuff. So. I know,
2: right. You might, let me, I'm gonna respond how I think you're asked, but I okay. think you're asking, then you can adjust if you need to. Um, one of the things that helped me to become okay with that um which by the way <laughs> i'm i'm pansexual so i don't even care if people see me as gay or whatever right like <laughs> but again it was because at that point i was equating it with my manliness or whatever kind of bs but anyway <laughs> um and what i what i got to to make it okay for myself is that and i st- i really do believe this to be true is that we need right now we need a lot of sensitive guys in the world mhm Um, And I'm a very sensitive guy. Hmm. And because I pass 100% of the time now, um, it's, it's awesome to have women and or it doesn't even matter your gender, it just it's awesome to have people see me as Oh, wow, he's, he's sensitive and confident in himself. You know, like, Mm. Because unfortunately, there's not a lot of guys that are okay with that. And it's because of, in my opinion, it's because of how they were raised, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Um, it's not okay, in quotes, for guys to be um, sensitive and share emotion and all of that kinds of stuff, as yeah. you guys know. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, because I see that in my office. I see something things in my office that people don't often see outside of that, which is I do see men, cis men, who are very open with their emotions and then don't know how to handle it mm-hmm. or there's so much shame around it right or they have a partner and if it's a female partner who actually shames them because there's then there's oh, man, this oh. internal it's yeah. like
2: oh i, I hate that
0: phrase. Oh, um, I, I know. Yeah. W- There's certain phrases to wipe out. That would definitely <laughs> be one of them. Yep. But you see that perpetuated with, you know, with many people. And, and it's, it, it is, it's sad. And it's great that you're here to be, to be here and in the world as an authentic, sensitive man.
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah, I love the idea that you don't, you don't have to adopt the problematic pieces. You're just, you're changing what the rules are
2: right yeah that's great yeah one of the things in my um presentations that I talk about briefly is how amazing it would be for us to come out of that birth canal and be treated all of our childhood just as this amazing being
0: yeah and not
2: attached to some sex or gender Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just get to figure it out for yourself Can you imagine like all of a sudden you no longer have labels attached to you and like, oh, this is going to be they're going to be a great whatever. And you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. society and our parents and teachers and grandparents, whoever, are always like. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. so many role things. You're attached so pretty to us. or
1: you're so strong. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, these right, are right. Thank you. Yeah. There's so, many things,
2: so many things attached to us according to our gender. I yeah. know
0: my mind just went like totally like five steps beyond. And I was imagining these like little beings, all these little humans running around and you had like certain underwear that was like totally gender neutral. And so <laughs> no one saw your genitals. Right. And mm-hmm. then you had like certain haircuts or what, like you just did whatever. And, and, so there was no way to code because if you can't see genitals, how do you code? If you don't have pink, you know, pink and blue, how right. do you code? So, yeah. Right. And they actually, you know, there was an episode. Oh, now I forgot about Dang it. <laughs> but they did. It was somehow attached to NPR. And it was a podcast about people trying to raise a child in a more gender neutral way. Mm-hmm. And it's happening. It's yeah. so challenging for the not for the people raising the child but for the people around the child and they're like well what's they like there's so many like fights and and like disagreements and family members not speaking to each other
1: it gets so weird when like people are mad at you that they don't know Get to know about your baby's genitals. Like if yeah. you frame it right? that way, like you can make it real weird for folks. We're right. giving you a hard time.
0: My <laughs> partner and I are always saying we're like, oh, so it's really important for you to know the genitals that are like attached to that being. Right. Like <laughs> this is important for you. Right. And when you hmm. say it that way, I'd be like, well, that's not what I. What? What? That's you, no, that's what you're asking. Right.
2: <laughs> and then here's the hmm. here's the thing. I'll just throw out there for you guys, not not just you two listening, everyone, <laughs> is that genitals are attached to sex, not gender. Yeah. And that like blows people's minds when I totally. say that. Yeah. Wait, what? It's <laughs> usually what I get.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun recently going to a gender reveal party. The Uh-oh. only reason I went is because it was my sister's. Like, okay. and I just like attach that like piece? <laughs> and so, um, I wore a shirt there totally like Suburbia, cis hetero. Let's okay, let's be real. Pretty much white cis hetero. And I wore this shirt. um, I am not my genitalia. Yeah, it was really fun. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And a gender reveal party. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. It was so wonderful. (laughs) And people were like, oh, yeah. I don't think they understood it. Probably not. But (laughs) they wanted to take pictures with me and they, oh, look at your shirt. I'm like, do you understand what I'm doing? What's going on? It was fun. But yeah, it just bleeped. Such a clever
1: protest. (laughs) No one understands your protest right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I need to be more explicit.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Someday let's I call that planting seeds. Yeah. (laughs) Like someday somebody's gonna be like oh
1: remember that shirt Keely wore? (laughs) You should just swap out their balloons with yellow or something. Right, (laughs) it's just purple. I love purple.
0: It's a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so much wrapped up. So much wrapped up in gender and Mm -hmm. and what that means for sure. Anything else you want to... We were thinking about... So many things. Yeah, about... about. Anything else you want to talk about the book or we were thinking about... We also want to talk about your awesome things you're doing and your website oh. and
1: sure re- regrouping moment. <laughs> I know. It. Wait, what? Gonna, what do we do next? I mean, no. I could talk
0: for hours about gender. Don't get me wrong. Gender and sex.
1: Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about it.
0: Let's talk about um, sex. Baby. Do we want to talk about sex? I want <laughs> talk about Did you sex? have a question? Okay. I sure do. I have oh, questions. I've excellent. been making notes. <laughs> <Here> Stella <laughs> we go. is a very good researcher and she's been taking notes throughout awesome. the interview. I appreciate that,
1: Stella. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that um, folks often end up in my office for, and this is actually something that sometimes therapists refer folks to me for because it sort of goes beyond what they're comfortable with or what would be appropriate for them to deal with. I've had folks come into my office who are in the process of transitioning or who have transitioned, and they're basically learning how to have sex again because things about their body has changed maybe they're on hormones maybe they're not maybe they've had surgery maybe they haven't so they're refiguring out their own body and also sometimes if a partner has been with them through that they then need to reteach their partner how to have sex with them and for a lot of people who weren't having conversations about sex in the first place they don't have those tools either so this is my question comes in three parts, apparently. <laughs> okay, ah. one, one at a time, please. <laughs> so what does it look like to relearn sex when your body changes? Oh my gosh, it's so huge. I thank you for
2: asking this question. I, Because it's huge. It's a huge part of our transition for those of us, just like you said, that either go on hormones and or have surgeries. Um, so... So far, I've, I've been on um, hormones for f- going on four years. Um, I have not had lower surgery yet. Now, with the hormones alone, um, they change most people's genitalia. Mm-hmm. Um, so being on testosterone alone, for most people, it grows your clitoris into a micropenis. And so that changes things. <laughs> because... As most female-bodied people know that when you pull back the hood of the clitoris, that's like a raw something that you're touching. And it's not really pleasurable for most women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then after, I don't know how long it took, but after a certain period of time, after being on testosterone, now that's just like, it becomes just like the head of the penis, Mm -hmm. which is really sensitive and feels really good. (laughs) Um, so yeah, um, everything changes and it's still changing, you know, like I said, almost four years on testosterone and, and every once in a while, something's changing down there because, you know, I've been able to climax a certain way for a few months or however long it's been. And then all of a sudden that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And it's like. Shit! <laughs> I kid you not. There's one at one point I went to my doctor, and I was like, "What is happening? Like, I can't get off anymore." <laughs> and at first she was like, "Well, you know, you are getting older." Aww, I was like, yeah. "I was like, oh no. No no no, 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 no! I am not that old yet. <laughs> I refuse to believe that you know that's happening already. Um, and things change." Mm-hmm. Yeah, things just are constantly changing. So I actually have not been with or was not with a partner um, during the early stages of my um, transition. And so I can only imagine what people go through, right, with partners, especially as you say, those that don't have the um, communication or vocabulary there to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's got to be super challenging because it's challenging by myself. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so if I can just get even more personal with you,
2: um. how much more personal can
1: you get? <laughs> well, when you're saying that, that, like the way that you can become aroused or climax changes, what is your process of self-discovery? Do you just like, you know, put a sign on the door, give yourself some time and say, okay, how does this work now? Or try different toys? Absolutely. I mean, so it's just trial and error. Yep. Are there, have there been any resources you've been able to look at? Is anything out there where it's like, all right, well, how do I jerk off now? Nope. It's
2: completely self-discovery.
1: Mm-hmm. I This is one of those topics that
2: I would be really surprised. You can Google your little hearts out, and I'd be really surprised if you found
1: anything. Right. Um, Well, I haven't found anything. So I was hoping you had some secret stash of of resources. Hey, maybe this
2: is supposed to be my next book. This is why. Please do. Maybe this is why I open myself up about this because there's no way for people to know about it. Yeah. Not that I necessarily want people to know and be visualizing how I jerk off, but. Well, now they all are. Right. And okay. That's kind of hot, but I digress. (laughs) know it's it's nobody you're not going to be able to know nobody's going to be able to know if somebody doesn't isn't willing to talk about it for a minute
1: (laughs) yeah well in addition to you know folks not having the the tools to communicate with their partners I also get a lot of folks you know regardless of you know gender or whether or not they're transitioning like a lot of folks don't masturbate and so for someone who was wait what I know it's 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 true But like, this is a thing that I deal with a lot. And so if someone wasn't already touching their body, and then saying, like, well, you need to masturbate, like that is not homework everyone wants, or telling folks, you need to learn what you want. So you can tell a partner. Um, So I think sometimes there's layers of things to get used to, because maybe not only does someone need to learn the way a body has changed, but they maybe weren't doing the work for themselves before they were relying on partners to the and out. how do they communicate with their partners, even if mm-hmm. it's not, I mean,
0: you were talking, the communication changes if they're with the same partner as they transition, mm-hmm. but even if it's a different partner, like how the terminology we use, right. the way that we talk about the, like certain terms. May right. Be different going different down people. on
2: somebody is different than giving head. Yes. Right. And I've had people argue with me, oh no, no I say going down on even with guys and I'm like, eh okay, well then let me just talk about for myself.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: It doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And having those conversations, which Stella's book does a good job talking about, um, (laughs) is how do you open up those conversations and, and it being like each conversation, each new partner is that exploration with them. Yes.
1: When I think it's so important to normalize things like that, like what, ask people what words they use for their body, what words do they use for sex acts exactly. because regardless of if there's anything to do with somebody's gender identity that might make this you know, even more important everyone's got their squicks like people have absolutely used words around my body and it's not that it doesn't Align with my gender. It's just kind of a turnoff. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I'm glad you said it that way, still, because it is. I mean, <clears throat>
0: you you should whoever you're with, you should be asking these general questions. Exactly. As part we of want consent. to. It's
2: supposed to be fun. We yeah. want to please our partner and have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I would hope that people would have these conversations if they're transitioning or not. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point.
1: And I think that's true for a lot of this. You know, talking about normalizing, asking about pronouns. Like, there's so many things that. We could just be doing day-to-day, not because we're like, oh, so-and-so's in the room. Now we need to do this thing. It's like, no, how about you just do it all the time? (laughs) Yeah, just do it. Just do do it. it. This is good for everybody. (laughs) And that's also how you build habits. So,
2: Yes, 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 and yes.
1: We all have some feelings about this. We just may.
0: I think we just talked about things where like each piece could be like a full episode or two. Awesome.
2: Hey, I'll come back. How open is your schedule? It could be fun. We could do a series. I know, right? I love that.
0: So, um, so I was thinking like, you know, talking about more, I did, I did want to go back to the, we'll go to the website. Like so because after this book, you started the website and it's um held and heard. Right. And you have these opportun it's it's it offers a variety of opportunities for trans masculine folks. Um t- can we talk a little bit about what's on this website? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's not just all for trans okay. folks. Thank you for clarifying. Um, do you want me to just run down the list of things? Sure. Yeah, or we have did, did and then we can have... ask
0: like more questions. Yeah, yeah. and we come back. Yes.
2: yes please all right cool so the first uh and biggest part of my business that I'm that I'm doing right now is the speaking Mm -hmm. um so I have a variety of different um companies that are hiring me to come in and speak and educate them on gender identity and I call it the essentials of gender identity quite honestly because um there are a lot of trans facilitators and speakers out there and um, that are doing fantastic work, honest to God, and and have fantastic um, topics that they're speaking about. And um, it's a little intimidating, quite honestly, in 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 a few ways. But the way that I mean in this moment is that when I first started doing the speaking, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Because they're all teaching and talking about these huge topics and how it relates to the world basically right (laughs) and I am talking about like the foundation of things like talking with people about pronouns and terminology and all of that kinds of stuff and gender identity versus gender expression you know all of that kinds of stuff and so what a friend helped me to see was you are so needed because these are the essentials like people have got to have this mm-hmm. stuff down before they can move on to what all of these other facilitators and speakers are speaking about. And I cannot tell you how true that is. Every single gig, and I'm not exaggerating, every single gig, I have people coming up to me thanking me profusely because they don't understand this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's, you know, basic to me, in air quotes, <laughs> um, it's the essentials it's the foundation of everything else to learn from it's like doing your first you know breathing meditation that's the foundation of you know getting to the point that we were talking about um so that is that's the main thing that i'm doing right now is being hired by different companies agencies all over (laughs) and i and i surprisingly love it that's Um, awesome
0: thank you for doing that
2: absolutely Yeah. yeah
0: You you mentioned when we were talking before we started the interview, you also mentioned work that you aren't fully doing yet, but you're looking into wanting another piece of it. you were talking about maybe working with teens.
2: Yes. So I have a passion about working with teenagers. I work really well with teenagers. So in my past, I, um, I was a school counselor for in high schools and yeah, teenagers are amazing beings that don't, get enough credit in this world (laughs) they're really brilliant amazing minds um anyway now I'm feeling like trying to figure out I know that I want to work with teens somehow and I don't know what it's supposed to look like um I had this original idea of working with teens and their parents that might not be on board with their transition Mm. um and helping them to relate and understand each other right and building that relationship again um, and I'm not sure if that's it. Um, the, cause I'm also like just recently, literally just within this past week, I have had a couple of people contact me about, um, if I'm working with teenagers and, um, but their parents are super supportive, but there's all these teens that maybe they just want to know other tra- trans teens, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to hang out with other teens that are trans and get it summer mm-hmm. camp. Right. Right, and there is a camp for adults for trans guys, adults, which I'm hoping to be able to go to soon. Um,
1: and what is that for folks who want to find it? Um. Oh, ah. Now I've put you on the spot. You did, and okay. now I can't remember the. <laughs> That's okay.
2: Camp something. I'm gonna have to come back
0: to you. Okay, there's, we'll put it on a the, of them. We'll put it on the website. We'll just... we'll <laughs> there's there's a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway,
2: um, but yeah, they're not for young teens. Yeah the camps. And so maybe that is what it is. I don't know. That's but I, I'm excited to figure that piece out. That's something I'm working on.
1: Fantastic.
2: Yeah. So if there's any trans teens that hear this,
1: yes, <laughs> please love...
2: email me or call me with your ideas <laughs> or what you want and need.
1: Do you want to run sure. down the best ways for, for folks to get a hold of you if they want to know more, they want to hire you? And sure, buy your absolutely.
2: Book. My website, as Keely mentioned, is heldandheard.com. My email is held And um, even my phone number, 503-757-1454.
1: You are very brave. <laughs> Thank you for putting yourself out there for folks. Thank you so
0: much, Jaden. This has been so wonderful today. We really appreciate your time and all of the things that you talked about in your authenticity and openness very absolutely. vulnerable absolutely absolutely yeah.
2: if i may add one last totally. thing which is my <clears throat> all of what i do the underlying goal and theme of it in case it's not obvious is to help people to figure out what their truth is and living in alignment and living your truth every day that's what i hope to inspire people to do whether you're trans or not that's being trans has nothing to do with that piece that is what i that's what i'm really passionate about is people figuring out and living their truth
1: mm. thank you it's beautiful thank you so much thank you wolf and that's the episode
0: remember to follow our podcast hearts and other sex parts on itunes and soundcloud we are also on instagram and facebook as hearts and other sex
1: parts Feel free to write us feedback or questions by direct messaging our Instagram or Facebook pages or by emailing us at heartsandothersexparts at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.